how can I have spiritual integrity with my sex life, you know? And like, that doesn't have to look like I'm a fucking Puritan. So that's why I mean, I'm curious to ask other people about what their experience is with it, you know? What does their, what does others healing look like? Everybody, this is Rose. And this is Louisa. And you're listening to Sober Sex. I made a promise to myself to stop not listening. What it looks like now is that I make conscious choices around my sexuality. It started with putting down the substances, really, and starting to listen. And the listening to my body has changed. Welcome to Sober Sex, another infamous hosties episode to wrap up season two, which is like four times longer than season one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Excitingly, although Rose is still on maternity leave, we are thrilled that Lily is going to be staying on as a regular fixture as she's such a wonderful addition to our team. This might mean that there are some shifts in dynamic and presentation moving forward. We are excited to hear your feedback as we try out some new ideas. So slide into our DMs at at FuckYeahSoberSex on Instagram and let us know how you feel. Now, on to the good stuff. How are we today? You first. (laughs) You know, I am doing well. I'm sitting uh, at my place in Los Angeles, and I'm looking at and listening to the birds, um, which you might hear in the background. I have (laughs) like... They sound like laughing clowns. It's terrifying. Yes. (laughs) I'm not even joking. I spend as much on bird seed for my house as I do on my dog's food. Like, I love the birds, and so I have like three feeders right outside my window. So I'm probably looking at about 40 birds right now. I'm not even joking. It's pretty intense, but I love it. So <laughs> it runs in the family. Your dad's a birder, right? My dad has an aviary. Yeah. I love birds. So, but they're just, it's amazing because these guys just come and we have names for all of them and it's pretty cool. Who's your fave? Or would it be rude not to, to pick a favorite out of the 40? No, I mean, <laughs> I think Wanda, Wanda might be my fave. Wanda is like a big bluebird kind of bird that I don't even know what exactly she is, but there's a million little finch, but this Wanda you hear when she comes to the feeder, cause it's just like thunk, you know, and all the other <laughs> birds scatter and she's just like the sort of queen of everything. And we have all these like cats, one eyed cats that wander around. We have like a full zoo in our backyard. It's kind of fun, but. Love the low key urban zoo. <laughs> yes. Very urban, low key urban zoo, but yeah. And what about you? How are you? Today it's weird because like we're on you know on different sides of the world, so it's nine a.m. where you are, nine nine forty two a.m. and it's six forty two where I am, and so it's been the day. In fact, had lunch with Rose. Shout out Rose. Hi Rose. Um, and yeah, we like you know we we're in the process of moving, so we spent the day door shopping, which is not that fun because it turns out doors are like wildly more expensive than a door oh, yeah. should potentially. It's crazy. A door is an investment that I was not like prepared to make. So uh, this has been a, a fact finding and fact facing mission about, you know, doors. Yeah. But you probably yeah. have some pretty great, are you're buying them like new or secondhand? Or are you getting like a, where are you getting the doors? We want like a sliding, we were going somewhere fancy, but then we're like, this is definitely not for us. Yes. So, like, you know, now we're just buying like sliding doors, sliding doors, sliding doors from Le Bois Merlin. <laughs> oh and like, God. yeah, I, but Seb keeps giving me good ideas and I keep being like, I don't want to look like trash. Like, 
I'm oh super my judgmental when it comes to like renovation and I'm trying Door to quality. be such a dick. Yeah. <laughs> it's important to well, me. It, I bet like really cool old wooden vintage doors you can find it like a lot of those in France. My dad actually, I don't know if I ever told you this, but my dad's an architect and he would ship in all his materials from Italy and France because he would make these houses that would take him like years to build and he would get all his materials sent over. But they're all like very old. Like we have like a 18th century prison staircase that's in our backyard uh, in the Laguna house that he brought over from France at one point. So, you know, that's there's some insane. cool stuff, but when it comes to like a sliding glass door, yeah, that stuff's expensive. Oi. Oi, um, indeed. So yeah. there, there has been a discussion of late, another, another glorious pivot on <laughs> sober sex about how we can be less awkward. Oh la la. in <laughs> asking about pronouns and we're trying out the question, how would you like us to refer to you and what, and what is your experience of gender? <laughs> and this is possibly a show unto itself. But Lily, how would you like us to refer to you? And what is your experience of gender? Yeah, well, that's a great that's a great question. So I identify as she, her. To be honest, I think I mentioned this on another podcast. The first time I was on the podcast, I did not even know what my answer was to that. I'm like 37. I feel like I kind of am like, the generation between the generation that doesn't get that at all and the generation that it's like a part of their fabric of their existence, you know? And so I think, um, I think that, you know, I was the one that originally brought up kind of what that looks like and, you know, asking that question. And I, you know, I had kind of, uh, expressed when we were all sort of talking about the podcast that I found that question a little like sort of awkward, not awkward in the sense of like, like I felt awkward asking it more because what I really didn't understand is like, is that the important first question to establish what we're doing or is part of the message that like gender isn't as important um, in, let's see, how am I saying this? So I had kind of thought that like, is it important to ask that question first? Because I feel like in asking that question first, you're kind of saying, you know, this is the most defining thing of a lens of how to understand you as a person. And is somebody who is identifying, you know, as he, him, they, them, she, her, um, is that giving us a frame of reference to understand someone? Would they rather not have to do that? Or is that like what was also brought to the table, someone's first moment to be able to share something like that? And, um, and that that would be really exciting for them to be able to identify it, you know? And, and for me, it was kind of a cool thing the first time I did it because I never actually identified what my pronouns were before. So before I came on the podcast, I had to like Google it and be like, what are my pronouns? You know? And it's kind of like reminds me of the two-tone podcast where he was like, what? Uh, I don't <laughs> know, you know? And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or analog penis man. Analog penis um, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that... But it actually really brought up some interesting conversations with um, myself and my boyfriend and his 14-year-old son, who that's totally a part of his life is just like knowing what, you know, and he knows what all his friends' pronouns are just kind of like without like, but I kind of asked like, do you feel like that's important, you know, for for someone to ask you to kind of in, in conversation as you're opening up a conversation? And he said, well, no, you know, but then we thought, well, maybe in an interview that is important. I mean, particularly an interview of sorts where we're talking about, you know, experiences around sexuality and gender. So um, 
it's brought up some interesting discussion to us. And, and, uh, I do, I like the idea of, you know, um, I, I wanted to, I also wanted to make sure it didn't sound like we were like, you know, like cis white women, like virtue signaling. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and, yeah. and I don't know that that's how it comes off, but I sort of thought, okay, are we asking them that, you know, while we're recording first things first, because we feel like we want to go, okay, here, you know, we're, we, we get it. Or is it something that we could ask, you know, off camera, so to speak, and then kind of, but then, yeah, I don't know. But then there's been times that, you know, sorry, I'm going on for a minute here, but no, I it's so many, right. Like, I think like, you're bringing up so many valid points. Yeah. And it's like, and I don't want to sound like we're doing that, but at the same time, then you think, okay, there's been podcasts where we have, you know, misgendered someone on accident, even after they tell us their pronouns. And so then you think, well, we want others, you know, who are listening to be able to understand how to gender this person, you know, I don't know. So it's a, uh, it's an interesting, like very much now question. And I think like the, when we talked to Emily and she had some really good things to say about like some people would want that and some people wouldn't. And that it's like kind of, not that they wouldn't, but it wouldn't be as important to them. And some people would be very important to them. And so I think, I think now that we've discussed it so much, I've landed on the side of, I think it's great to establish that in the beginning because it does give most people don't mind and they're like, cool, whatever. But the people that it matters to, it matters a lot. And it's yeah. a basis, a jumping off point for them to really feel understood in the conversation, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And like, it gives, I think, some context clues of like, where someone's coming from, I guess. Uh, I mean, and I'm actually, I'm very curious to like, what is your experience of gender, even if it's just today? You know, because yeah. I think like... That's, I think for me, that's where it gets interesting. If like, cause I, until recently never really thought about it. Yeah. You know, I love that question. Like what is absolutely. Cause that opens up a whole other sort of interesting thing about experience of gender. And like, I know growing up, like I, I felt like I had much, a much more sort of masculine energy. That being said, I definitely identify as she, her today, but my experience of gender has not been like, I just comfortably sit in the she, her woman category and feel like, yeah, that's me all day. Like I have had moments where I feel sort of like, you know, I don't know. So it, that brings up an interesting question for me to reflect on. I don't know about you and how that, how that kind of comes up for you, but I feel like people could have some really interesting answers to that. Yeah, totally. And I mean, again, like to give people space to reflect on it, I think is really great because it feels like, until recently, it's been a very kind of back up against the wall, like yeah, having a kind of a more explicitly like trans experience is when that would really come up. And now this beautiful kind of either genderless or kind of all gender like spectrum to be lived within is a new possibility. I mean, you know, new to new to us, I guess. You know, for sure. Historically, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, like my favorite thing is just knocking over the mic <laughs> I thought it was interesting I have to say like talking to Emmeline was was really profound for me and hearing what she had to say and like that one that really stuck out to me is just like where I felt like I learned a lot and 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 you know and I've shared this with you Louisa but there's been times where I've felt like on the on the podcast like I'm totally out of my depth like these aren't conversations that I've necessarily had before and I feel like you know all three of us, you, me, and Rose, have different levels of kind of exposure to conversations that 
sort of circle around, you know, experience of gender and trans issues and sexuality, you know, all of that. And, and I feel like I might be light on, on some of the experience of those conversations, but talking to Emily, it felt like it was sort of like a, like a, like a, an entry level, she was able to explain in sort of an entry level way things that I hadn't understood, if that makes any sense. So I really appreciated that. And there yeah, was, they were really so generous liked, with you know, this, I felt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and did I just misgender Emmeline again? I think I did. I apologize. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Oops. Jesus. You know, this is, that's what I'm saying, learning <laughs> curve. Um, but yeah, they were talking about, you know, because I had asked kind of about like, I think there's like this misconception that sexuality is really tied in to gender and, you know, like probably most people in my parents' generation would think that if someone identified as they, them, that meant that, you know, that, that had some really uh, big impact on what their sexuality was. And that's not necessarily true, although it can be true in some ways, it, you know, uh, Emily and they were sharing that, you know, it could be informed by that or not. But all of this is really interesting. And I think like, I think that there are quite a few people that don't totally understand all the ins and outs of how to be someone in, you know, a world where uh, these conversations are happening and how to understand all of all of the different elements of it. And so having these conversations that are way more kind of entry level, as I'm saying, are really helpful and powerful and um, and, and I felt sort of like able to be a part of the conversation in a way just because they were so, um, sort of accepting of whatever question was asked. Yeah. They, sense. Again, like so kind of generous and contemplative and like, it was such a pleasure to learn from them. And also like, I've been super impressed by some other guests, like, like Alex Two-Tones, like ability to be humble and teachable and kind of yes. like curious about it and like not unlike you're doing right now, kind of admit to, you know, feeling out of depth in a new, what feels like a new world where there's a lot of information to kind of take on, on, on with this stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, so we were discussing after a, a momentary technical difficulty, like how questions around gender and sexuality, gender and sexuality <laughs> are, um, are recovery questions, right? That like, especially because even within Alcoholics Anonymous, they're talking about changing the language of the basic text to be more gender inclusive. And, um, you know, that while the language might not be as important as the kind of concept, this idea that like watching people get sober and realizing that their relationship with gender has to change in order to kind of live authentically. Yeah. Um, yeah, has been super, super beautiful and super exciting to kind of like, I mean, I think that's like the baseline, right? Like for me, at least like the thing that's informing my, my understanding of all this stuff is like, how can we better love and support each other in our fullest truth? You know, like, absolutely. If I'm, yeah. If I'm like opposed to that, like <laughs> what is my part in that opposition? Is it cause I'm scared? Cause that's, to I'm like scared all the fucking time. Like it's totally possible. Yeah. Yeah, for no, that brings up a really good point. And I think, you know, on the on the subject of being scared, I think, you know, for me like in, in this conversation, there is some element of fear and because of the culture we live in, there's an element of fear of getting it wrong and 
looking stupid or getting it wrong and offending or getting it wrong yeah. and being canceled. I mean, not like yeah. nobody's going to cancel. I, I'm not like anybody. I, I'm not anybody that needs to be canceled because I'm whatever. It doesn't matter. But I'm just saying that like <laughs> there is this element of like, <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah. But um, I just think there is an element of like feeling like I'm going to put my foot in my mouth. And there's like, and I mean, it's interesting because even thinking about like misgendering Evelyn, like I have this weird shame reaction of like, oh my God, I, I fucked up. I misgendered, Ev you know, Evelyn. And it's like, but there is also, I, I hope that as, you know, the people on the, as hosts on the podcast, as other alcoholics, as whatever, that we can kind of have a, a sense of forgiveness of ourselves and others of like, this is all new to me. I mean, I actually don't think I even have anybody in my close orbit who identifies as, you know, uh, a gender other than you might expect, let's say, right. Like, or like, you know, somebody that like, I don't, <laughs> yeah, well not expect. Yeah. Just sort of like, even then I'm like, oh my God, did I just, you know, say the wrong thing? Yeah. I think like that's, that's something that you want to, um, that for, at least for me, I think there's an element of wanting to sort of realize, okay, I've spent 36 years operating and having a language that leans me in a certain direction. So let me be gentle with myself as long as I'm willing to be teachable and as long as I'm willing to adapt you know, because for others, it's been a way longer conversation than 30, than, you know, one year or however long it's been. Um, but I just want to be gentle with myself because it, it's like a shame button. I'm like, oh my God, I, I messed that up. I should know. Should I know? Not necessarily. <laughs> I'm learning, you know? Um, so that comes No, I think that me. that's a beautiful point of just like, it's, it's better to kind of like try our best even if yes. it's really uncomfortable sometimes, then like, just be like, well, I'm not, I'm not doing it because it makes me too uncomfortable. For sure. You know? For sure. I, and, speaking of this like pronoun question, I would love if like anybody, any listeners sent us a message and kind of shared about, you know, how they experience that question or how they, you know, might um, think of that question as, as being more potent or if they like it just the way it is. I'd be curious what other people's sort of experience of that question has been. Um, and if they think it'd be interesting to find out more about, you know, our guests' experience of their gender. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And again, that idea of, of kind of what's, and what's, again, like this is a show into itself, but what is your experience of gender? And, and even just the kind of opportunity to, to, to be like, what are my pronouns? Like, how do I yeah. feel myself? Yeah. Because I think especially like a lot of, you know, cishet people don't really necessarily encounter that like we're like it doesn't even occur to me to like be like actually like because you were saying I've been thinking a lot about that like I've never really identified particularly in a, in a particularly femme way like I've always felt kind of like that masculine leaning or just kind of like not like disassociated from the whole issue like I think I wore exclusively sports bras until I was like 15 because I was just like so uncomfortable with having a female body <laughs> yeah which is embarrassing oh my god no I relate I mean I think like you know this is a whole other thing too but I've been thinking lately about how um I for most of my life and this sounds like a very disempowered feminist thing to say but I have I don't feel like I'm not not she her but I have wished I was born male before now, I don't feel like I'm in the wrong body. I don't feel like I'm, but I have 
often wish I was born male. And I think a lot of that is because of the experiences I've had of the vulnerabilities of being female, right? Of Mm -hmm. like the effects of, you know, sexual assault or bullying or things where I imagine that as you know, a a biological whatever male, I might've been treated differently or I might've been able to stand up for myself differently or I make up, you know, and so, and in recent, you know, thoughts, I have like an active semi-resentment towards men for not having the same ticking time bomb of fertility that we as women have, you know, <laughs> like, I'm like, I've, I've been like, I wish I was a man who could be like, I'm 52 and I feel like having a baby right now. And I'm like, wow, that's <laughs> good for you. Cause I'm like 37 and I'm having panic over the window closing, you know? So there have been moments I have wished I had the benefit of a male anatomy. And there's other moments where I realize that, you know, that's not necessarily the case. I, I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast, but I grew up as the only woman on or girl at the time on a boys' baseball team for like I don't think you shared that. That's so sick. <laughs> I'm sure yeah, it was really no. hard, but it's like it's very punk of you to say no. Yeah. No, it's it's it was hard and but it was awesome. But even then I think like I felt like one of the boys, but I think everyone was clear that I was a female on a team of boys. And it's funny because I had a friend tell me a story the other day that someone had told her that, you know, there was a kid on our team that would not slide in baseball, that just would not slide into the, into the base, you know, no matter what anyone said, coaches, whatever. And then that I kind of, you know, asked him to slide and he did it for me and then he started sliding. And I was like, okay, well, that wouldn't have happened if I was, you know, necessarily a, a biological mate. I don't know. So they, I was thinking about this, of this, I felt like sort of a jock and sort of a boy growing up, but I also really did dip into the sort of classical feminine. Um, so anyways, it, I just, it is such an interesting question. And there is also like, I was just kind of alluding to like a difference between wishing you had been and actually feeling like you are, you know, yeah. either a di- mis- misgendered or with the, like you know, gender even dysphoria. like yeah. gender dysphoria. Yeah, for sure. That's totally different, but there is, so bringing up what's your experience with gender, that's like a huge and awesome and interesting question to reflect on. No, and thank you for like sharing your experience on that stuff. So, um, like once in another graceless pivot, (laughs) (laughs) it seems like everybody, so you, me and Rose, but we'll let her speak to it for herself when she comes on next, has had a massive year of change and growth. Um, How has this affected or altered your recovery or your relationship with sex? Hmm, that is interesting. <laughs> only, um, only like doozy questions. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, I have had a massive year of change and growth personally. And um, I started a, with a new kind of uh, a new job in the last year. Um, I'm in a relationship now for the first time in many years where it's like a really stable relationship of, you know, just kind of having a home with someone and having a partnership with someone and spending, you know, my time with someone and, and then they have two kids. And so, um, you know, before this I was traveling almost all the time and I was solo and well, never quite solo cause I have my dog Gidget who's with me, but, um, it's been, it's been a huge like change. I'd say the last couple of years during COVID. Um, but how has it, I mean, I think that everything 
in some ways feel safer, you know? Um, like there's this idea of, you know, being stable, being still, and it's made everything, including sex, feel safer. Um, you know, and, and the kind of, um, the sort of the complexity of being in a relationship that feels like it really holds me. And, and I, I think like, everything feels more stable and safer for me at least in my but you know interestingly i've had a hard time adapting with my recovery and this had just has more to do with covid but like going to zoom i was really excited in the beginning of zoom and then going back to in person and i was really you know like it was fun to sort of go back in person but then it's been in so many stages of like in person not in person in person that i've kind of like been thrown out of my rhythm and feel certainly less sort of plugged into recovery life than I have in some time. Um, even though I have a commitment, like a couple commitments, but I just, I don't know. I think I've just, I've had a hard time adapting in that way. So that, that has certainly been the case for me as far as recovery goes. But I feel like I have a deepening and broadening of other areas of recovery, um, it's just nothing qu looks quite like it did before, uh, before COVID, you know, um, my routines and, and my sort of ways of going about things. But I don't know. What about you? What, what's kind of what's changed in your recovery or after this kind of year or a couple years of change and growth in your relationship with sex? And what about you? I mean, <laughs> you know, again, like I wrote the questions and I'm like, I have no idea. Uh, um, yeah, like... In terms of recovery, I feel like now I'm going back to one in-person meeting and like, I feel like I've really also a lot of um, powerful and like profound friendships around the world linked to my recovery community, like yourself included. And like, I feel I'm definitely differently connected than I was kind of in prior to this last year, but I feel like the connections are maybe closer than ever just because it's been like, you know, everybody's kind of been traumatized. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's it's also been super beautiful to kind of watch each other grow around the world, A, and B, like just the, the kind of Paris recovery has been so magical recently just because like everybody's like young and queer and creative and adorable and like magical. <laughs> And I feel like, I don't know, I feel like COVID has like forced me to step into this like weird matriarch position. I mean, that I was kind of cultivating all along, but like, I feel, you know, now I see like great grand sponsees at meetings and I'm just like, yo, you are the fucking cutest person I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, like, it feels really special. I feel very um, blessed to be able to like watch the community kind of grow in its own direction to like bear witness to all that stuff and everybody's lives unfolding. Um, like I, especially, you know, we discussed at the beginning of the show, like I'm moving soon and I'm a little bit like, I'm afraid of not feeling the same connection to the community when I'm, when I'm not quite as physically accessible to Paris. I mean, I'm still planning on, on going to meetings and stuff, but like it has felt like such a beautiful season of being part of this thing. Um, yeah. So that's, and I think, you know, the, the reason I'm reflecting on it is because it feels like there's kind of a limited time before some change happens. And so I'm, I, I can see it more clearly, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And with sex, like, I think 
yeah, COVID kind of kicked our asses and it brought a lot of like intimacy. Like we moved in, my partner and yeah. I, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, and now it'll be two years next month living together, which is crazy. Um, but it's also, you know, like like Esther Perel, dream guest, talks about quite often this idea of like security and desire can often be kind of counterintuitive. So like being able to talk about that and like work through it and figure out ways to kind of keep things fresh and exciting um, when we are like on top of each other all the time and a little bit stressed out. <laughs> Like, yeah, which does not breed sex, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Sexy time. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like there's an evolution happening, and it's like I've never been with anybody this long either. So it's cool. Like, and Ooh. by far, like this is like almost like probably three times longer than I've been with anybody in my life. So it's cool to be like, oh, this. I had no idea to, what a relationship was. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, no, that makes complete sense. That's so cool to think about and that it's, I mean, time just flies. It's been such Crazy. a, yeah, the last couple of years have been such a shift and, you know, for obvious reasons, but um, yeah. And so, so we're all uh, in, you know, relationships at the moment, I guess, are all just the two of us because we're including oh. Rose, but yeah. <laughs> Rose also, um, who's not here. Rose also. Um, so how has hosting the podcast or the conversations we've been having, how has that affected your romantic partnerships or your other relationships in your life, friendships, sponsees, you know, all that kind of stuff? Uh, I feel, I think I'm much more comfortable kind of talking about, talking to <laughs> like, not strangers, but like anybody who it feels comfortable with, like talking about sex in a way that I hope is like gentle and like empowering um, because it's, I've been so inspired by like the space that we get to hold here and that like, it is, you know, it's, it's, it feels important. It feels like a, a part of life that can be really taboo, but that also like, you know, it does for me, it, like having kind of health in this area and like, a, yeah. like living free of shame has been so empowering and powerful that like, I think it's changed the kind of way in which I operate and help support others in operating. Yeah. Um, and then with my partner, it's like we like I think we were talking about before the show, like it has helped us talk about this stuff together and kind of ask curious questions. And, you know, I, I bring back he also has a podcast, which is <laughs> we're podcasting family now. Uh, it's called The Confiture. It's French culture and history. It's great. Check it out. It's in French. Um, but we kind of can bring each other information and it feels like, you know, like dogs bringing bones, <laughs> like dropping them at each other's feet. Like it's not, it's a nice way to kind of interact and, and share our, our curiosity on different things. Yeah. What about no, you? Absolutely. I mean, same. And we were, we were talking a bit about this before, you know, before the show. And, and what I realized is really what, these conversations we're having in the podcast have introduced have, are just broader conversations with other people in my life about these kind of things. And it's been interesting to see how many moments there have been where I've been in conversation and I've sort of either thought about or referred to something I learned on the podcast, you know, let's say about, you know, any number of things, period poverty or, you know, pronouns or, um, you know, sort of the, some, you know, there's a couple of stories that have really stuck with me you know, there was a story, um, oh gosh, what, it was Katie that was, was sharing about a woman who, um, was like, oh gosh, and now I'm going to totally butcher the story. 
but someone that was a professor and also a sex worker. Yeah. And I just, it, it sort of, it's helped me to understand people with more complexity of like, sort of like we can all be more than one thing, you know? And, and there's just been a lot of interesting conversations that have sprouted from things that I've heard on the podcast. And, you know, interestingly, like I was sharing, there's, you know, my boyfriend has a 14 year old son and a lot of these conversations, not necessarily like the deeper sexuality stuff, obviously, but some of the sort of uh, ways that are that culturally we're evolving in terms of gender and all of that, it's I've been able to speak with a little more sort of fluency about some of that stuff, which has been really cool. Um, so yeah, I think it's just sort of changed the way, you know, and I mean, like, I'll say this, like I go to, you know, a number of meetings um, where it's become like the meeting is really like queer leaning um, or like the culture in a lot of the meetings in Los Angeles or on Zoom has shifted where the dialogue has changed to some extent. And rather than, you know, admittedly, either me feeling like other or them feeling like other when I'm in those meetings, you know, I've felt more like we're like, there's no other, you know, which is kind of cool because I, even in the beginning of COVID when that was happening, I'm like, whoa, this meeting has changed, you know, all the people coming in with, you know, and, and now I feel like that's just kind of AA. That's just kind of it, you know, it's not. So it's been interesting to sort of, because other is just what you don't understand. And so as I've come to understand more, other is less, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, And it feels like, I think, so much of this stuff is just trying to like learn how to be a good ally and like having a space to ask questions to try and like do the work. Um, and it's, and it, people have been so generous with us and, and like the energy and the platform. Like I really appreciate our guests kind of like schooling us in a very like loving way. Um, like you mentioned Evelyn and, you know, and and earlier in the season, like Ducky and before that Lewis G Burton, like there's so many people, especially kind of, on the gender spectrum or like off the gender spectrum who are like really helping, I think us to like learn good allyship, which is rad. For sure. I mean, so like you mentioned the, like Katie's episode and and learning about period poverty with Amber, like what have been some other, other takeaways that you learned either from or related to the show? Oh gosh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, as I said before that, the, the recent episode with Emmeline really helped me kind of have a better understanding through what they were sharing of just gender and, and sort of like, I I really kind of felt like I got my ABCs down as far as learning about this stuff. She, or they, sorry, are just the, the, such an amazing educator in some ways. I mean, I think like I really learned so much and then, you know, learning again, like I said about, you know, period, period poverty and the culture of sort of anatomy and naming and, you know, all of the, all of that from Amber really stuck with me. Um, also, you know, have now have some ongoing relationships with other guests or, you know, people that we follow or we check in or we have mutual friends are asking to speak at a meeting, all this kind of stuff. So there's been a lot of that. Um, it's just sort of broadening my recovery community personally. Um, it's so hard because there has been so much I've learned and there's been things, you know, there's been things I've, I, uh, you know, or, or episodes where I've just been like, wow, this is so not my world. So I have a fun little sort of lens into what does it look like 
to be in a non-monogamous relationship or, you know, that kind of thing. It's just been like having a really interesting lens on how, how people live differently than I do. Um, yeah. What about you? Yeah. You, you definitely touched on some of my favorites in terms of like things I think about a lot that have kind of yeah. like trickled into my life in, in terms of how I think about recovery or how I think about sexuality and like, you know, I, I think the biggest takeaway that I've gotten has been talking to uh, Lauren, Brutal Recovery, and uh, yeah. hilarious Rebecca Rush <laughs> oh, um, yeah. from the Vulnerability Show. Who Now they have a show called, they have a podcast together called Brutal Vulnerability, which you can listen to on streaming platforms. That's pretty wonderful because uh, they're both so funny and so smart. Like they have really helped kind of open my eyes in a very like, yeah. Oh, uh, I don't want to be redundant, but like overt way of like, oh, fuck, like there is a new wave of healing almost that's afforded when we talk about like this idea of recovery, which is like inclusive, you know, that is about like yeah. not only drinking and using, but trauma and sex and like how we operate in our bodies. And it's just like, I feel really grateful to be able to kind of talk about this stuff, you know, and, and yes. super inspired by the, the people that we get to talk to, like, because I mean, it's they've been such rewarding and like enriching conversations that I'm just like fuck like this is like a pretend job <laughs> with which we make no money oh my god <laughs> yeah well and I was just I was just reflecting a little more you know don't want to there was like the conversations we had with Brooke you know about body uh body mm. image and food. I mean that really it's interesting because I've had a lot of experience talking to Brooke already but she, you know again such a natural educator it's such a, a powerful presence and such a gentle presence and someone who I really f- feel receptive to everything she has to say. And, and then thinking about two-tone and just like we have, you know, we are friends with Alex already and it was so, I just had so much fun and I felt like, you know, a real sort of, I could take a, a, a breath and just kind of know, oh my God, this is someone who's kind of doesn't get all the stuff too and has so much interesting insight to share. But he, he navigates so well how to be open and receptive and also learning and also saying, I don't know it all. And, and it's interesting too, because he's a guy that knows a lot about a lot, but to, for him to admit this is an area I don't know as much about and, and to also be accessible and funny. And he's really great at walking that kind of line. I had, there were some, I mean, pretty much, yeah, all of the, they're all our favorites. They're all our favorite episodes. They're all our favorites. And I'll guess, like, and even, you know, like, I love doing the episode with you because I felt like it was such a moving kind of testament to, like, the friendship that we've developed over the last, you know, like, I don't even know how long, like, eight years, probably? Yes. At least, yeah. It was real. I think we all cried, like, I like, barf cried. Oh, my God, yes. (laughs) Like, you know. That was a pretty pretty special thing that was yeah. awesome and, and I feel really grateful to kind of be able to like have this like a literal recording in terms of like a, t- a testament to the idea of recovery and how it evolves and how it kind of includes like friendship and relationship and sexuality and like yes it, it is still about learning which is really cool like it stays fresh <laughs> for sure and you know the cool thing is like I I have been on podcasts before and this, and I, I have to say I, when I've been on them before, I've had either some shared shame. I felt like I kind of didn't 
like it's really important to me that I sort of honor my recovery and how I feel about it by speaking about it like kind of accurately. Like there is a, a place where you can kind of strike like this is funny or this is not, but there's been a couple of times I've shared on podcasts and felt like I didn't share in a way that's authentic to how I actually feel about my recovery. Mm. And then afterwards felt and felt sort of like that didn't feel quite like it didn't sit quite right. And I felt like on the one I was on with you guys, maybe because I was in the presence of like two of my best friends that it felt so natural and honest and vulnerable, but like striking the points of humor where it felt right to me, but being honest about where it wasn't funny, you know what I mean? Where it was hard. And yeah. um, Yeah. So that, that I loved that too. That was so special sharing that with you guys in person, all three of us. Rose, still very pregnant. Dogs everywhere. (laughs) Yes, it's the only podcast with three noisy dogs the entire time. They were very well behaved, I have to say. I was very impressed by them. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. Um, So, like, what are your goals and fears moving forward with the podcast? Interesting. Um, I, I sort of had shared when the three of us had talked about sort of broadening even more some of the sort of adjacent recovery topics. Um, you know, Louisa and I happen to be talking before the podcast. Like I am myself someone, you know, what now, 16 and a half years sober, have been on medication, antidepressant medication for m- almost all of my sobriety. Every like four years or so, I'm like, I should try to go off this. And then I have like a six month nightmare of trying to go off of it because I have this like, <laughs> so sad. you know, what's up? Like every, every four years you like lose access to joy for six months. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so sad. Exactly. Your I love you so much. And it's like, it's yeah, <laughs> no. And it's true. And so like, it's weird. It's like the great obsession of me is that somehow, someday I will be off my medication. And every time it gets proven to me that that is not the right fit for me. And, and there is no shame in that. But that being said, I think I've really realized like there's such a, there in certain recovery communities, there can be a real stigma around medication, you know, in other ones, not so much. In other ones, it's like one of the meetings I go to regularly now, it's like people go up there and they're basically like, so I took my lithium today, you know, or whatever. So there's this broad spectrum of like different experiences around that. Um, but I would love to have, you know, some more conversations around that side of things. I would even love to talk to people and not this not being as an endorsement of that, but at all necessarily, but people who have tried, you know, psychedelics for trauma or stuff like that, which I know that's sort of like a really borderline recovery issue and don't necessarily want to be endorsing, you know, whatever. But I, I like the idea of, you know, sort of touching on some topics that are potentially recovery adjacent or at least trauma recovery adjacent or stuff like that. So talking about medication, um, how the brain functions, you know, with, I I always thought that was so interesting. Um, Fears would just be, um, you know, again, I still have a little bit of that creeping. (laughs) Yes. Or that creeping fear of getting canceled, of saying the wrong thing, of offending someone, you know, of, um, you know, yeah. Of just not, not knowing the right thing to say, I think I've always prided myself on being someone that's pretty informed and has the right thing to say most of the time. And I don't always feel like that with this, which is sort of getting caught 
in an interesting position for me um, because I'm not educated. I'm getting educated on this, but I don't know. That's kind of where I land with it. What about you? What's, what are some goals and fears? I mean, I guess I'll start with fears because I share yours. And also just like coming off as a fucking dick who's like nonstop virtue signaling and like is just yeah. like has no fucking business hosting a podcast like this. <laughs> like this is my that's terrifying. Um, and, you know, probably speaks to kind of insecurities around that stuff. But um, and also like I, I love this and I love working with you and I love working with Rose and I would be afraid that like at some point it we stop and I'm sad. <laughs> like, yeah. It's such a fucking like uh, earnest, like, but I love you and I want to hang out on the internet. <laughs> I get it. I totally feel that. I totally, totally feel that. Cause it is a really wonderful way for us to connect in a different way than just sort of the, the usual uh, check-ins, which we love to have. I love my, you know, time just connecting with you, but this has been a really special thing to share. Um, yeah. And, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and what about, wait, so you were talking about okay, so fears. fears. What about and goals? Goals. Um, I guess like one, keep it going. I, I have some like specific, you know, kind of work-based uh, goals. Yeah. Like I would love to have a network. I would love to kind of, you know, ha- have it be on a larger platform and be able to reach more people or potentially like yes. just slightly more professionally produced. If you can tell dear listeners by the sound quality, like you would never guess I actually make music for a living <laughs> um, because it sounds like it's recorded in a bathroom. Um, anyway. Uh, so I would like to kind of up the level of professionalism and be able to delegate some of that stuff like production. Um, and yeah, just like I, to be able to have, enough of a like platform or listenership to be able to kind of reach out to the guests that I would love yeah. to talk to and be kind of taken seriously. Yeah. <laughs> that would be cool. Absolutely. People have been very, very generous. Like our guests are fucking awesome. And like, we love you so much if you are a guest who is also listening, but like you guys did that out of the kindness of your hearts. <laughs> There's like, not that many uh, regular listeners. Although, yo, again, if you're listening to this, I fucking love you so much. Like, thank you for joining our journey. <laughs> oh my god. Yes. Foot and mouth. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> what are your goals and fears with your own sobriety or sexuality? Ooh, good question. Um. I think to just feel a little more planted in sobriety. Um, You know, I haven't quite struck like the balance of like that I've had in the past with like the sort of between the Zoom and the regular meeting, like all of that. I kind of, and to be honest, like a big part of my recovery community was in Paris before and I haven't been as much in Paris partly because of COVID, you know, Um, partly because I've sort of planted more here, but I just haven't quite landed in a space where I feel like this is my, this is my space these days as things have changed with sort of where I physically am. Um, as far as sexuality, um, you know, I think just to continue on being honest and vulnerable in my partnership, I don't, I don't have any other really, um, you know, specific, 
kind of things. I this is it's a hard one. Yeah. yeah, I think I think where it is is where that is feels really good, and I just want to continue with what. Oh my God, there's like 50 birds right so, right now. So anyways, <laughs> but I just got an ADD moment. Um, no, but uh, yeah, I think that I think that that's like just to continue on with like honesty and vulnerability because honesty and vulnerability are not were not a part of my sexuality until a few years ago. It was like dishonesty and not vulnerable. It was like a wall and like in some ways. So I really want to continue on the path that I'm on. Oh, I, Lil, it's been such a fucking rad thing to be able to watch you like grow in this relationship. And like, I know there was many years of, of kind of feeling like that was a hard area. Yeah. No pun intended. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, like it, that this is, it's been like, you've, it feels like you've really blossomed in this relationship and like Thank knowing you. both you and your partner kind of before you were together, it's really cool to watch you, you be Thank partners you. to each other. Yeah. What about you? Um, like with sobriety, I feel like it's the weird, it's like a weird emptiness thing right now. Cause like typically I have at least one, if not more sponsees kind of in the first nine steps at a time. And right now it feels like a kind of echo chamber, like empty nest that's a little bit disorienting. And so recovery-wise, I'd like to, you know, work with um, some more newcomers or some more people who just want a new experience in the 12 steps. Um, Like, because I love it. Like, it's such a fulfilling part of my life and I feel like I'm a really good sponsor. Um, And then sexual-wise... Like, you know, I feel like as, as, you know, we're, we're in my relationship, we're like kind of taking a big leap together and, in getting a place together and, and moving to a new, new town. And, um, that it's all very exciting, but it's also kind of, it's using up like the kinetic sexual energy like with our anxiety about like yeah. <laughs> door buying. <laughs> um, so I think for me, because the erotic is such an important part of my like uh, creative universe that I have to work to cultivate my own relationship with what I kind of feel is my own erotic energy or my like vitality. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited about that kind of being a, a thing that I'm, I, I recognize, like I'm not relying on somebody else to cultivate for me. For and sure. Then, yeah, also and bringing that energy into my relationship in a way that respects my partner, you know, because <laughs> like, especially, you know, I've t- said here before and you know that like I identify as a submissive. And so that often requires like, I, I, w- I try and kind of like get him to be dominant. And if he doesn't have right. the bandwidth for it, then like I, that's kind of none of my business. Like I still have to have like I get to cultivate re- my relationship with my own sexuality, like, and it's cool. Right. It can be supportive with my partnership as opposed to kind of like, well, well, fuck you then. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, and that for me too is like, how, so how does one do that? And, you know, I'm, I'm curious to kind of play, like play in that space, both literally and figuratively, because also yeah. like, I have to recognize that I'm not like, I, I'm, a, I'm a, I talk a big game, but in reality, <laughs> I'm also pretty like burnt out. So how to kind of like marry the the, the reality of like being in a relationship long term and like having going through kind of stressful if exciting life events and like cultivating erotic energy for creative use. 
I love that. And I think it's cool too. There's like a understanding of like an ebb and flow in when other things are in your life is sort of a natural progression. So how do you cultivate that within yourself is really, really a, a, a good way to look at it. I love that. My answer, Tumblr. <laughs> My Tumblr is going off right now. <laughs> That's awesome. You have Tumblr. I love Tumblr. It's tumblr.com slash Louisa. <laughs> I did not even know you had a Tumblr still. That's amazing. Do you have Tumblr? No one is Tumblr anymore. It's sad. <laughs> I think I, yeah, no, I did once, but I, I'm sure I still do somewhere, but that's awesome. I love <laughs> that you have a Tumblr. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, okay, well, so do we go into the lightning round? What do you think? Yes. Okay. Do it. Favorite TV show this year? We really loved Arcane on Netflix. It's extraordinarily beautiful. It's animated. And right now we're watching Dope Sick, which is oh, like yeah. so fucking hectic, uh, but beautiful and, and very feels very real. Uh, I, I don't know. I have a really short-term memory, so that's literally the last two things that we watched. Also, we're obsessed with Cobra Kai. <laughs> what about awesome. you? Oh, my God. It's so funny that you say that because I was just like, I can't even remember what this, what is this year? What year? Like what's going on? Uh, but the I? first thing, that, who am I? The first thing that came into my mind was this show station 11, super random, but I loved it. I love like apocalypse stuff, apocalyptic shows, like the world has ended. And usually like an apocalypse shows when the world ends and this doesn't give anything away if you haven't seen it because it happens pretty quick, but usually in apocalyptic shows, it's like everything goes to shit. But this is about like, 20 years after the apocalypse, how a society is rebuilt. And I just, I found it really interesting. Um, and I really liked it. And I really liked the way it was done. So, um, but that was super random. I, I feel like there's been other ones and I just cannot, I always love Law & Order SVU, no matter what time of year. That is my... <laughs> Show for all seasons. Reruns or not. Um, I love uh, Olivia Benson. Um and that's the most basic thing you'll ever hear me say. <laughs> Try to think if there's anything else. There's so many random queen. little things. I feel like there's other. There's so much other stuff I've watched, and I just oh, like I think I you know I don't know when I watch this. But like I may I may destroy you. You made that, mm. that one with Michaela Cohen. I really liked. Um, she's a genius. She's a genius. There's been a, a few things, and I probably afterwards will be like, oh, my God, how could I forget this one? I love Succession, season three, not quite as strong, but the, still, it's so well written. Um, yeah, it's incredible. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's, for me, favorite TV show. Um, what about something new that you tried and liked? Uh, kombucha. I've oh, been really? adamantly opposed to kombucha for the last, like, since it's become a thing. And weirdly, this last, like, two weeks, I'm like, you know what I like? I like kombucha, which is weird. Because I yeah. think it kind of tastes like piss. Anyway. It does. It's the kind of thing only an adult likes, right? You're like, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't, I'm yeah, trying to think of something. <laughs> I, ha I tried food from Borneo, like, five days ago for the first time ever. So that was kind of something new oh, I'd never had. It was just like this, I live in an area that's like right on the corridor of like the San Gabriel Valley that has the most amazing sort of like Asian, different Asian culture restaurants. And I've had so many good meals just like ordering in um, from San Gabriel Valley the last couple of years, but um, it was really good. It was like this really amazing curry. Um, it was yummy. Uh, what else have I tried and liked? Um 
I've tried, I don't know. That's kind of all I can think of. I, I'm sure there's other stuff. I've tried, oh, I've tried an inversion table for the first time. Ooh. And like, <laughs> we got one for Christmas. And I've been inverting every day, which I sort of like. Uh, that's Very all I can think of. <laughs> yeah. That's it. <laughs> um, what is your favorite song right now? Oh my God. That is a hard one too. Um, I, you know, my boyfriend makes me playlists all the time. And so whatever my favorite, he, he did in the beginning and he still does. So it's like, especially when I'm out of town, he'll make me one and send it to me. And I think whatever's on that playlist, I just like will play ad infinitum and then he'll send me a new one and I'll be listening to that. So like, and so I think like whatever, I'm trying to think what was on the most recent playlist. There's like some old stuff, some new stuff. He made me one when I was in Paris. So it's like the cutest stuff too. But what's really sad is like, you know, when they do that Spotify roundup at the end of the year, like all of the songs on my Spotify mm-hmm. roundup are like Jojo Siwa and Taylor Swift and all that kind of stuff. Cause I'm playing it for a seven year old. So I'm like, I was like reading it to someone. I'm like, this is not my favorite artist. I promise you, this is not my favorite artist, but it's, I've played it 867 times. Um, Mine are all like vocal yeah. warm-ups. <laughs> it's like, oh my god! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. That's your top stuff. What about you? What's your favorite song right now? Only vocal warm-ups. Um, funnily enough, like I think I really, lo- I think I, I really love this the Halsey record that uh, Nine Inch Nails produced. So I've been listening nice. to that. I've been kind of like slowly dissecting it and like. Right now, there's kind of, a, it sounds like a country song, so I feel a little bit like self-conscious that I like it, but it's also good for voice training because I'm trying to learn how to harmonize better. So there's a song called Darling cool. by uh, Halsey. <laughs> to I'm going to listen. From my, my, team self, my teen self is like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like everybody else, don't judge me. Like you got to also sing while doing the dishes and crying. It's fine. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I'm going to check that out. You never know. Um, um, what turns you on? What turns me on? Um, I think like silliness and goofiness and the ability to like take things not too seriously. I think like with my partner, I notice that like we make up dumb songs and like say like our latest thing. We, we have all these like things we say in this like weird voice for my dog and for some reason now we call, her name's Gidget, but we call her the goose. Yeah, we 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 have we my yeah my dog's name is Gidget, but we call her the goose a lot. And lately we have this thing where we go up to her and we go goose oats post Malone, and for absolutely no reason. And that turns me on <laughs> because it's just so stupid. We're so stupid. We make up the stupidest songs and we have the stupidest jokes and. He can be so silly and I just love being silly and it, it makes me feel so close to someone when I can be my absolute dumbest, silliest self. And so, and for me, closeness means I turn on intimacy, you know, all of that. I love it. So, uh, yeah. Goose. Goose. Oh, it's Post Malone. <laughs> post Malone is my favorite part. Uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's beautiful. I remember when I first started dating Seb, I think that he makes fun of me for this because I was like, he tried to send me like silly dogs, which is like my number one thing, like pictures of silly dogs. And I was like, no, only sex. <laughs> <laughs> and now we, all we do is like make up songs to sing to the dog. Dog names. 
Yes. And, and now it's only dog memes. <laughs> what mean, turns like, you on? Other than silly dogs, apparently. Um, which, no. Like, this, for <laughs> me, like, humor and sex are two, like, different parts of the brain, but, like, that I try and really hard to separate <laughs> I'm apparently unsuccessful. Um, well, we have a ro- we have a rope class scheduled for next nice. week, I believe. So that's very exciting because I do like feeling like I, I like feeling this connection. You know, I like feeling kind of um, like a very physical connection that doesn't have to be like intercourse or penetrative sex or yeah. even like kind of suggesting that. But I like that kind of like body contact so I'm very excited about that awesome thrilling awesome. <laughs> where are you I love that yeah it's hot <laughs> oh, where am I working on growing I think I'm working on like planting in on just sort of being a part of a community I think I've always sort of thought of myself as a sort of outsider that sort of circles around different communities but I think I really want to like I've been having a lot of dreams lately and in all my dreams, I notice that I'm like on the outside of things. Like I'm like, there's a group and I'm not a part of it. And I think like, it's really important that I sort of dig into being comfortable being a part of, if that makes sense. So that's come up for me a lot lately. Um, And I want to work on growing there. Yeah. I love that. I love that you like know about it, you know? That yeah. you, and you want to kind of be like, actually, is that the true narrative or is that like <laughs> old shit in terms of like not being a part of? Because I like, oh. in my experience, I, I, I like being around you because if you feel like a part of my, my community anyway. Aw. <laughs> Aw, thank you. Me. Yeah, I fucking love you. Um, <laughs> dude, I love you. What about, what about you? Uh... I'm tr- I'm I'm trying to this year. One of my goals is to take criticism better, because I've noticed I've gotten feedback that it's challenging to give me constructive criticism because I like go into shame real real fast, and like shut down and my feelings are hurt and I don't want to show it. So I just kind of like turn I just like, <laughs> like turn into kind of wood and I'm just like I'm thank you for your feedback. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's like not helpful, <laughs> especially when somebody's trying to be kind of like kind and, and supportive. And I'm just yeah. like, I, you know, I'm ashamed immediately. So I'm trying to work on kind of being able to accept constructive criticism or feedback. Awesome. <laughs> and, awesome. Uh, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> what's So what's your dream guest on the podcast? Oh, that's a good question. Well, definitely like I wouldn't say necessarily dream guest, but definitely someone who can who can speak and this just developed today that I was thinking about this, but just who can speak to, you know, kind of like medication, the brain, the biology of all this stuff. I, I like that. Um someone uh, you know, I mean, there's obviously like the Esther Perels and the Brene Browns oh, and all those kind of people, but I think I one of my favorite authors who writes kind of peripheral stuff to this is Alain de Bonton. I love a couple of his books that I have and I would love to have him. Um, And that might be it. Yeah. I don't know. What about you? Who is your dream guest? You definitely named a few that I love. Um, Like definitely like Esther Perel or Brené Brown would be top, top. Um, 
I would say also like I <laughs> I'm not going to say that. I, I love Jonathan Van Ness because they're they're in recovery and their kind of journey with its gender and sexuality has been really uh, beautiful to kind of watch unfold. Um, and I think like kind of sober icon, but like I guess in the more fashion or, or creative industries, like Richie Shazam would be really cool to have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean. Who else? It's uh, there's uh, Rain Dove would be really sick. Cam Damage. I would love to have more sex workers on also because like mm-hmm. I think that you know we've had so many good conversations about that stuff and and it feels like especially around recovery it's a really interesting kind of intersection. For sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, and yo, guests or guests, listeners whatever you are, <laughs> guests and listeners. If you have any suggestions of people that you'd want to hear on the podcast, fucking slide into our DMs. We read them. Yeah. We occasionally please. respond. <laughs> occasionally not. Um, at, at fuck yes, sober sex on Instagram is the best way. Um, and Lily, I love you very much. I love you too. I love you so much. And I'm excited for the next chapter of all this. Yes, season three coming up. Who knows how long it will be? <laughs> It'll just be exponential. Each season will be like a month.